You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging. But in the 21st century, financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It is for you and me. The question is, how do we find time, avoid making painful mistakes, and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best experts on how to stop trading time for money. It is now the time you started living your best financial life. My name is Anna Sherbunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. Becoming a financial planner was almost a natural career choice for Liz Gillette. You learn best things in life by doing them yourself, says Liz. Having had the opportunity in her early 20s to put herself on the right path financially, of course, out of necessity, has sparked her interest in doing the same things for others. Liz believes that there is a different type of advice for different phases of your life. That is how she's guiding her clients on their financial journeys. Tune in into our discussion. Hey, Money Bosses. I'm so excited for today's conversation with my colleague, Liz Gillette, here at Main Street Financial Planning. And we are going to dive in deep and really talk about a money story. I know we all have it. And it really takes some time to actually uncover. So Liz, first of all, welcome to the Money Boss Podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here, finally. (laughs) Yes, I know. Just about time. It's actually really interesting, especially on this end when you get to be the one asking questions. But it's like, well, what haven't I really asked Liz? We get to work side by side (laughs) so closely. Um, And, you know, in our day-to-day life, we share clients. And it's like, wow, all right. Well, this is is the place and the time for us to really kind of... uh, open that door. So I am really curious, and I'm sure our audience too is, let's start with the very simple question, but like, why did you become a financial planner? Yeah, good question. Million dollar question. Um, So I became a financial planner because you best learn things by doing them yourself. (laughs) Um, And my money journey uh, started when I graduated in 2009. Um, Obviously, a lot of things were happening in the world and the market during that time. Um, And I just found myself feeling completely upended. I was very fortunate I had a job right out of college, so I had some stability in that. Um, but I didn't have any kind of security blanket in terms of, you know, financial help for my parents. It was kind of like, okay, you're on your own. You graduated. It's all on you now. So um, I just remember feeling very fearful, um, very overwhelmed. Uh, everything from checking my credit report and being shocked at some of the items that I saw on there due to, you know, maybe some lack of transparency, um, uh, but in my family. So I, I just, I felt really confused and I didn't want to repeat some patterns I had seen. And so I took to reading. Um, so my brother gave me a book, uh, a total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. Uh, and I read it, you know, through the night, you know, how those stories go. I didn't put it down. Um, and he was the perfect person for me at that stage of life to just get me feeling like, okay, I can do this. This is possible. Am I willing to make sacrifices? Yes. 
I just need someone to give me a path, you know, not that different than what we do for our clients, right? <laughs> yeah. So like I'm willing to put in the work. I just need someone to give me the path. And so um I really followed his baby steps as he lays them out. Um, and I was really driven by not where I was, but where I wanted to go and um kind of picturing what that would look like in the future. So I walked myself through that journey and paid off uh, about ninety thousand dollars worth of student loans. Um and had a goal to walk down the aisle debt-free. And I'm happy to say that that happened at the age of, I think, 27. Uh, I've lost track. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We purchased our first home at 27 and, you know, and all that good stuff. And I wanted to have kids. I have a desire to have kind of like a big family. And um, I really wanted to feel, quote, secure by the time I hit that phase of life. So I became a financial planner because I had kind of walked through that journey Um, and I went from feeling really scared to feeling really empowered. And I realized that God, there's just a boatload of information out there and you don't really know where to start or who to trust or what resource is best. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a no brainer for me. I'd been helping my friends. I'd been making homemade spreadsheets. And then one day I was like, Oh, this is happening. I'm ready to make the leap. So, um, it was just, I had to feel confident enough that I had been through my own money journey to start all over, right? I'd kind of worked my way into a different career and worked up my salary to say, okay, now I need to take a big pay cut to be at the bottom of the barrel. So uh, I joined financial planning in 2013. Yeah, very. It seems that a lot of folks who um, who join our industry have some kind of a personal experience first, and then they go on to this journey to help others, right? Which is when the clients or, you know, or anyone really listening say, yeah, those are the people that have really done it themselves. I'm actually um, intrigued a little bit by the fact, and like you said, you 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 were just given a tool, which was the book by Dave Ramsey, because some people really love them and some, some people really don't agree with a lot of what he has to say. But yeah, it's, it's better, right? Wouldn't you agree? It's better to have a path and do something as opposed to be just stuck and feel sorry for yourself and really never make any moves or changes. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I went, so I went from diehard Dave listening to people do the debt-free screams. I still have his app on my phone. Um, One of my goals in life was once I saved up enough money to see him live. So I went from being very, very (laughs) dreamsy. And I now describe it to my clients as I think that there's different type of advice for different phases of your life. He was perfect for that moment where I really needed that support, that kick in the butt, that like focus in on debt. Um, and then in my opinion, you kind of graduate beyond that, right? He's still preaching those same baby steps of having a thousand dollars in cash that wouldn't have helped too many people in 2020. So I do think you kind of get to that next level and say, okay, I've got my base, my basics covered. Now, what can I do to make a really big impact? So that's kind of where I stand on him. I think he still provides a lot of value and my personal experience is kind of like, okay, I'm in phase two now. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's 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 an interesting point that we kind of graduate to the next level. So if you if you think about that, what kind of clients do you do your best work for? Yeah. Um, so I'd have to say being at the phase of life that I'm in right now, right? Two young kids, my daughter's four, uh, my son's a year and a half. Uh, they keep me busy and relatively sane. Um, so I, yeah, I, I really enjoy, of course, working with people in a similar phase, even if that's just in your working years, you know, where you, you recognize competing priorities. Honestly, Anna, that's how I described a lot of my friends and what we do as financial planners is I say like, 
we are masters in helping you manage your competing priorities because for most of us, money is a pretty limited resource, you know? Um, so we're just trying to decide where should it go? How should we spend it? So yeah, most of my clients, um, I have to say that I most enjoy working with the answer to that question comes down to personality. Mm -hmm. I'm really a big fan of people who, as I said earlier, they've got a little grit to them. They're willing to, you know, work hard to sacrifice for the, you know, their long-term future. So personality, that's what I love about our job is it can come in so many different packages of really early in your career or a later retiree. Um, but I always say to my clients, the more engaged they are in the scenario, the more fun my job is. You know, if they think that they're coming to us because Liz, this is what I want to do. You figure the whole thing out. I kind of right away say, I don't think that this is going to be a good fit because it's your life and your money. I'm just trying to guide you through it. So yeah, I guess the profile looks maybe like people in their thirties and forties who have kids or don't have kids, but truly clients I love most are personalities just have a nice vibe. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really neat how our industry has evolved even when, you know, when you and I started not that long ago, but you know, over the last 15 years or so that where it went really from um, not being um, available to service folks who are just starting out and kind of really focused on, okay, well, you come see us when you have a lot of money and we can help you then to now where we, you know, really get to um, to decide and, and, and work with clients that um, really want to do it uh, good for themselves. And I think like it really at Main Street, what we focus a lot with our clients is, is to be the guides for them throughout their life journey, wherever they are. And so that we can help them avoid mistakes, right? Because that's really the value of any relationship, whether it's a financial planner or anyone. Um, so if you had to think back, um, maybe even before you met Dave Ramsey and his teachings, <laughs> is there a big mistake or have you made a big mistake after you've gone on this uh, journey and the a path of uh, being smart with your money? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so I err on the side of saving more. This is the most annoying answer in the whole world. So I acknowledge that. <laughs> Um, I get a real high. I have somehow tricked my brain into seeing it as very, very fun to save and invest for my future. Like I really do. So I don't. So as far as let's see any big money mistake, I don't have huge purchases that I can think of. I'm just not. Uh, yeah, maybe not the most spontaneous person or uh, that comes up with that. But I can tell you my worst pandemic purchase. Yes, let's hear it. <laughs> okay, so no big life um, life regrets are different than money regrets, right? No big money regrets. My worst pandemic purchase slash best. I'm honestly enjoying it, but I was up late one night. Uh, I think it was Black Friday or Cyber Monday or something. And uh, I got this ad probably on Instagram for these essential oil deodorants that there's science behind it where not only do they smell good, but when you put them on. So one is like anti-anxiety and the other one is like focus. And the other one's like stress relief. And I'm watching this video and my eyes are glazing over. And it's just basically like when you roll on this deodorant, then when your sweat glands kick in, you're going to get the essential oils throughout your whole body. And it's going to completely change your life. And I went ahead and spent about $50 on four deodorants. <laughs> and the best part is I texted my sister and she's like, you don't even sweat. Like you don't have a problem. What problem are you solving with this? You're, you don't even sweat that much. I'm like, I don't know, but I'll tell you every morning I wake up and I look and I'm like, should I focus or should I 
be on stress relief today. So that's kind of been my fun, like, absolute. When that box came, here's the worst part. Okay. It's like I said, the deodorants have worked out well. I won't even name brands or names or anything. The worst part in it is I made the purchase late at night. I swear on my life within one hour, it's like past 11 o'clock at night. Within one hour, I get this email and it's like shipping notification. <laughs> Your item has shipped. So I'm like, okay, I've literally some person's first purchase and they're like in their nightgown running to the post office <laughs> and like shipping it. So I'm the only sucker who fell for this deal. <laughs> so that part was like, I think maybe this is the most impulsive decision that I've ever made. So 50 bucks on 40 utterance. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Or, you know, they're, it's a really great company and they have an awesome customer service, you know, <laughs> there you go. There's the spin. There's that. There's that. Well, that's, that's an interesting one. Okay. So if you had, so it seems like you're really focused more and you get a high, a high from uh, focusing on the savings. So does that mean that you sacrifice more things now? Is that, so how do you approach that? Like if you're really focusing on saving more. And so for most for most of people out there, even the clients that we work, has to come at, at something, right? You have to either cut something or work harder, make more money. Like there's only so many things to adjust. So like, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, what I focused at, especially in this stage of life with the cost of daycare, you know, I mean, it is just brutal. It's this huge chunk out of our budget on top of the mortgage. So for me, I try to follow that whole idea of like focusing on memories, not items, you know? So if I can plan time is money, wow, that's like two cliche things in the same sentence, but you know, like, so if I can try to use my money to create more time or this day off or this vacation with my family, um, of all of the things that I cut, I would say that we keep pretty well to a food budget. We even do some of that meal delivery because it helps our lifestyle, makes it easier. So that's an area that I spend. Um, I'm not really big on spending on like entertainment and clothing. Those are some of the areas that I know my budget, especially looking at so many clients' financial plans. I know that that's an area that um, I'm quite neglectful um, of in certain scenarios. So yeah, I think that's the area that that we cut uh, and then I try to be able to replace it with the bigger impact items that would be worth, you know, having a picture of, right. Oh. Then rather than purchasing individual little items. It's so funny. I was just saying this to my husband the other day, I find that, you know, the value of a dollar can feel so different to me. So I will, if I have an opportunity at the end of the month to put a thousand dollars into savings, I barely give myself a pat on the back, but when something costs a hundred dollars, I'm like a hundred. <laughs> so it's like, I've created this pretty awesome relationship with money where I barely consider it a success to fork away, you know, a good amount of money. But then when I go to spend it and Brandon's the same way, you know, he'll, he'll turn to me before he buys something that's $200. I'm like, honey, you don't need my permission, but okay. So I think we've created a healthy relationship with money that makes us see that like the value of investing is so much higher than the value of spending. Do you think this comes from, from, from you becoming the financial planner and learning the ropes? Um, or there's there was an influence from let's say your family or you know upbringings. Um, yeah, you probably had to do something with that. Your parents have a way of uh, of dealing with their money, and you probably saw it, saw it growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my parents have been a really big influence on obviously who I am as a person, um, and certainly my financial path as well. Um, so, quick recap: I'm one of five kids. Uh, mom is a Catholic school teacher. Um, and my dad was in banking for many years. 
Um, and as kids, my parents went through some pretty big uh, financial events. And one of them being dad out of work for three years while mom was on a fine, uh, a teacher salary and a Catholic school teacher to boot. Right. So um, we experienced some, some pretty life altering uh, events and really big lifestyle shifts, you know, um, from the, the houses that we had and the car and the vacations and all of that to really starting to see the other side of things where you see that stress in your parents' eyes about making sure your basic needs can be met. Um, and then when I was 18, um, we are, we are evicted from our family home, which was a pretty big life event. And it, and it's certainly shaped, um, who I am as a person, you know, and in my financial life. Um, so going through that experience where, you know, as a kid, your home is your security, your safety, what, what you know it to be. Um, and showing up that day and strangers are walking through your house and just flippantly commenting on what needs to be fixed. And they're writing over your height chart, you know, on the wall. And my 11 year old sister, I had to pick her up from school and explain that she was never going to see her house again. So my individual story definitely has a pretty big impact on who I am, how I view money. Um, and certainly my desire to kind of help people avoid, you know, those, those kind of events. So uh, it's been many, many years um, since then. And, and my parents and my family have obviously recovered in, in a lot of different ways. Um, but it's very unique. I feel like I've been in a position where I experienced a lot of, you know, generally privileged things, right? Um, in being able to spend time with family and go on vacations. And then on the other end, we've had our water shut off. So I've kind of seen this gamut of life and it's, uh, it's definitely inspired me to try to create something a bit uh, different for myself and, and my kids. Yeah. So my parents have been a, a big influence on, on that and me just really believing in my heart of hearts that we kind of control our destiny in life instead of these are things that happen to us, you know? Yeah. yeah, no, it's 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 interesting when you and sometimes you come to a point in your life when um, and maybe not because most people don't really sit down and think about okay, well, how why am I saying certain things um, about you know my money or why am I doing certain things or why why does it bother me so much when there's debt on my credit card like all of these things um, are seeding from something and it could be these experiences that you had they could be a really good or really not good experiences so we just it's I really love to you know, go deep on this topic because it helps yeah. really understand. And especially when you're in a relationship with someone, right? Brandon, I'm sure has a different story, a different upbringing, a different way of how he, he became, you know, to be what, what he is with, with the finances and how you guys jointly make those decisions. So it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's really funny too, because I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I really appreciate that I've been able to come to a healthy place with money, right? Because you'd think that I could easily be the poster child <laughs> for, for either, for like just being terrified or mismanaging it or spending it or showing it off. And it's, I feel like I've recognized from the beginning that I never want this to be a thing that is like my be all end all or my focus. So I've certainly been able to make a career out of it and it allows me to connect with clients. I mean, that's how I see it is when we go through these crappy scenarios in life, like what can you take out of it and how is it serving greater purpose? 
I love that since I've joined Main Street, I've been able to work with clients who are on debt journeys and who are trying to get their life in order. And I don't empathize with them because I read it in a book. <laughs> I empathize with them because I've been there. And so I just feel like it's it's so fulfilling to me because the event happened. There's not much I can do to you know, fix it. But isn't it beautiful that I can take what I've learned from it and translate it? And not just in my personal life, but in my, you know, career. So that's been really wonderful. And then to be on the other end, you know, more recently to me and Brandon have been hitting some milestones that I I never dreamed of that we're hitting right now at this age. So to now be on this side. And so I feel like I can relate, you know, to clients regardless of where they're at in their financial life. Yeah, no, it's it's really truly is an, an amazing field of, of of personal finances and really the work that we do where we focus on, um, you know, not just okay, well, here's so much money we can manage for you, but really laying out that that roadmap for clients because um, you really get to experience a whole other side of that relationship. And so, yeah, you're right. We can't, that, that stuff you don't read in the book. That's not what we study in the course of, of becoming a financial planner. That's a, that's a completely other side. I wish we had more training, you know, as we get ready to become financial planners, because it's so technical and in reality, it's people in their lives that we're dealing with, but it is so rewarding that, um, we just figure it out, right? We grow. <laughs> and the last thing that I'll say too, is I feel like, especially starting with the Dave Ramsey, if you had asked me in my early twenties, when I was going through this, it was like, there's only one way to do it. You just have to suck it up. You need to understand that, you know, make big sacrifices. And I feel like my heart has been softened over time of like, no, people spend money in ways that if it's important to them and if they value it, it is not my job to sit there and say, yes, this is right. No, this is wrong, right? I can guide and say, hey, this area seems to be a little bit high. Are you getting what you hope to get out of it? But I feel like that's been a cool journey for myself where like at first, what got me through my success was just being so black and white. And then what's helped me evolve as an advisor is just seeing things much more as of shades of gray of like, I understand that's important to you. How can we make this work in your financial plan? I Do I personally understand why that's an area that you want to spend in? No, but like, how can I make this work for you? So that's been a really cool, yeah, transition. Hey, money bosses, are you ready to get your financial life in order? Once and for all, as soon as possible? Are you tired of living paycheck to paycheck? Do you often lose track of how much money you have to spend? Do you want to get your financial life together, but just don't quite know how? I am with you. I've been there. I've struggled through all of these. And I know you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to get better. So why do you continue to struggle? I know you can get your own money in order. It took me years to figure out. It took me years of pain, struggle, frustration, anger. But you don't have to go through all of that. You don't even have to get a financial planning degree like I did in order to be successful. Allow me to present to you my Money Flow system, a free playbook of how you can automate your finances, even if you hate budgeting. After you download this free playbook, you will never have to worry about budgeting and who likes that budgeting thing anyway. You will stop accumulating debt and create a bulletproof plan of how to quickly pay it off. You will be able to pinpoint exactly what your income and expenses are. You will never have to miss a single bill again. And you will always, always have a solid idea of how much money 
is in each of your accounts. So head over to money-flowsystem.com to download my free Money Flow Playbook, a blueprint to streamline your finances in less five, of five weeks. Guaranteed. Head over to money-flowsystem.com. Yeah, it's this place of no, ju- no judgment. And I think, um, I think everyone listening really needs to understand that that's what the role is of, of a good financial planner. I, like, we're not here to judge anyone on anything. It's really about, all right, if this is the path you want, let's go through it. We're going to guide you and help you along the way. So, uh, and then I, I want to ask this question because it's like, I, I, think, I think I know what the answer will be. But let's say you did have a thousand bucks in your budget at the end of the month. and it was not designated for saving. We're not saving. You already saved a thousand. <laughs> this is extra. So what would you spend it on and why? <laughs> yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so yes, every part of me would want to save it and invest it and be proud of myself and pat myself on the back and get the gold star. I am very happy to report, and certainly uh, you don't know this yet, so how fun that I'm revealing it over your podcast. Oh my God. I made, yeah. <laughs> I made a huge leap that I've been talking about doing for two or three years, and I invested a lot in myself this year and hired a personal stylist. So that wow. area, huge change. I just told you I tend to just like push clothes off and consider them a thing you're forced to put on every day. And this is the year I said, I'm making it happen. So I'm working one-on-one with a personal stylist who's helping me figure out how to, especially at maybe your audience doesn't know I'm six foot one. (laughs) So finding clothes is not the easiest in the world for me. Um, So I'm working with someone one-on-one and she's helping me do the shopping. And we're talking about my vibe and my look and how, how my physical clothes can represent who I am as a person. And that is one of the most frivolous things I have ever spent my money on. So if I had an extra thousand bucks a month, I think I would, at this point, if you asked me a couple months ago, I'd have a different answer, but now I'd put it towards high quality clothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That is amazing. I've never, I think it's a splurge for sure, but I've never had anything like that. So yeah, it's awesome. All right. <laughs> we'll have to have come back in a little bit and report back on how that went. Yes, exactly. Brand new me. Yeah, exactly. But there, I mean, there's definitely a connection, right? It's, 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 it all is, is like these little dots you connect in your head, how you, you know, the things you do every day in your, you know, in your routine, what you put on, what you eat, and it really does. Yes, money is a tool. I I am a big believer in that. And so if you have a thousand bucks, hey, enjoy it. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so um, as financial planners um, in general, right, as professionals, we have to do a lot of um, education, stay on the top of things. It's like, you know, how our inboxes are flooded with all kinds of stuff and there's so much going on. So how do you keep yourself um, up to speed? What resources do you really go to to get um, updated on what's going on in our world? And how do you share that with clients? Yeah, great question. It's so much more about how do you, as you said, how do you narrow it down? (laughs) Because it's, you're just inundated and then you're trying to decide which sources. Um, So when it comes to in-depth financial planning practices and looking for opportunities for my clients, 
I'm a big fan of Michael Kitsis, right? And he's kind of the go-to guy in our industry. So of course I listen to both of his podcasts that he has. And so I think of him as where I go when I really want to take things, not so much as what's happening in the outside, you know, financial world, but how does this create a planning opportunity for me as an advisor? So I'm a big fan um, of him and his nerd, Nerd's Eye View um, blog. Um, for me, looking up information myself, I really prefer something like the Wall Street Journal. Um, I use that for a lot of my like up-to-date information. And then I try to keep a pulse on the ground of, okay, Liz, this all makes sense to you, but how are you going to articulate it to your clients? So I use NerdWallet for that one. I'm really, I really, really like how they make everything digestible and break it down. So if I do too much of reading of Kitsies and then even the Wall Street Journal, then it gets to the point of I go to explain it to a client and I see that look in their face and I'm like, oh shoot, I, you know, I didn't meet them where they were at. So I like um, NerdWallet for that one. And I'm a really big fan of Her Money, Jean Chatsky's podcast. I've been listening mm-hmm. to that for a couple of years. So, um, of course, it's specialized and focused in on women, but she covers a really broad range of topics. And then there's a Facebook group involved. So that helps me keep my ear to the ground. Um, those last two resources are to kind of get an idea of what is the average American thinking about. Um, the trusted resources that I like are Kitsies and Wall Street Journal. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you for sharing those. Mm-hmm. And we'll include links um, in the show notes for sure. Um, so a funny, a fun question is okay. if there was a, a bumper sticker that would give you a smile on your face, what would it say? Oh, that's hilarious. Um, God, I have an uncle who has like his car. You can't even see his car. He has so many bumper stickers. It suits his personality perfectly. It's cars like falling apart. Um, okay. So the funniest one that I saw that I feel like, uh, well, it does not suit me, but it, it made me laugh when I saw this a couple of weeks ago. So you know how they have those stick figure families on the back of a car, right? Where you put like, okay, so the parents or the mom and dad or the two moms and the, the kids and the dog. I saw one and I uh, I meant to take a picture of it, but then the stoplight turned red or it turned green. Um, that had the two stick figures. So it was the couple. And instead of a family, they just had piles of cash. Right <laughs> and they had stacks of cash and then little, you know, bags with the dollar sign. And so the whole point was like, congrats on your kids. I've got a lot more money in my pocket. <laughs> and that just made me laugh so hard. I was like, touche, you know, it's like, yeah, this is what we've got going for us. And it just, it really made me laugh. I know this is definitely the opposite of those who have uh, family and <laughs> know yeah. how, how how expensive it is to uh, to afford all of that. But yeah. but uh, on the other side, don't forget it's really rewarding. So yes, 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 all of, all of the things. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, I'm, I'm I'm interested to. Um, I know maybe we've never really talked about this um, in our you know day to day life here at Main Street, but. If you had a chance uh, and you look at our industry the way it is now, and I mean, the biggest challenge is that we don't have enough women doing this kind of work, which you and I both know that women are best suited to be financial planners for lots of reasons. So if you had a magic wand, what would you change? What would you adjust um, to maybe, maybe even let more women into the profession? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I know it really, it's um, between women and the amount of quote, younger people, right? I mean, anyone under 50. (laughs) That's what I say. I had two conversations last week with kind of um, a mentee, whatever, reached out. Hey, Liz, I have questions. Can you talk to me about the industry? And that's what I said is I know you feel 
lost and confused and like, hey, no one's going to hire you until you have your CFP designation. But what you should know is every single conference I go to, there's five sessions on how do we get young people going and moving to the industry. So I was like, just think of yourself. Like, I know it doesn't feel that way, but you are a hot commodity. So as long as you're willing to work your way up, you know, that's kind of my advice to them. Um, but yeah, certainly the, the women in the industry thing is so hard to reconcile because it's in alignment with our natural skill sets and in empathizing and meeting people with where they're at and long-term strategic thinking. Certainly men are capable of these things too. I'm not a man hater by any means. Um, so the, the more women in our industry is something that I would look at. What continues to baffle and frustrate me, Anna, is the insistence on overcomplicating things. Like, I think it does suck that when someone goes to say, where should I invest my money? They don't know whether they should be trusting the YouTuber who has 2 million hits on his video, whether a designation means anything, why it's called fee only and fee based. We could make them two very different names. Like, you know, when we meet with people, how often are we hearing in that first meeting? Like, oh, I, I got through the dirt. I figured out that you guys are fiduciaries. You guys are fee only. You guys don't sell products. You guys are com no commissions. It's like, but they, you know, you walk into your bank and you think that if you're in financial services, I should be able to trust you. So that drives me crazy that the consumer being a, you get it, busy mom, <laughs> we got a lot of passions in life that keep us going, like that you're supposed to just sit and do all of that research to end up at a NAPFA, you know, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors to end up with one of us advisors, I find that infuriating, you know, that, and, and, and the other thing is I just feel like even when it comes to investing, we know that women tend to end on the front of until I a hundred percent have it down and I'm a hundred percent qualified, I will not dip my feet in the water. And it's what hurts women in investing so much. So I just feel like we could solve multiple problems if we just said, you know what, this is, this is the right answer. And frankly, this is the good enough answer to get started, you know, because there's just too much information out there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I also think that if we just all, you know, all of us, not just women, but everyone, man, too, got exposed to a lot of this earlier in our life, it would have probably been just an easier path. Because, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I did not have any education about personal finances until after I graduated from college, right? And yeah. so... That's just not, that's just the reality of, of the world, unfortunately. So, yeah, yeah I think it would help a lot. It, it's I a agree. Things. Yeah. And I think you and I both agree that there are some basic principles and tenets that frankly can't even be argued. And that's why I get annoyed that the next, you know, person who's trying to make a name for themselves is flipping it on its head and telling you why it's right. Like, it's almost like the same thing with healthy and clean eating. Like there's many different approaches that you can take or with your exercise, there's many different approaches that you can take, but to to confuse people and wrap them in a circle when really there is some basic knowledge that anyone would benefit from. Yeah. I just, I hate that it's all muddied, you know, and I hate in this world where everyone has a microphone while it's so valuable to hear diverse uh, opinions. And I don't even think that someone has to have, you know, very mandatory training for, for their input to be valuable. I'm not saying that, but I think it's really crazy that on the same, you know, website link, you're going to see someone who has 10 years of experience and a lot of knowledge and a background and someone who has a bunch of followers. So you assume they have the same level of credibility. I think that makes it really hard for the average consumer to know who to trust. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how actually, I mean, not just our industry, but the whole world evolved, right? With the internet, with 
all of this stuff that's available in. So yes, um, you're right. Everybody's almost an expert, but you've got to have a filter. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think you probably would agree that the best filter is to, to get some baseline down, whether it's your personal finances or your diet or your fitness or anything. Um, so you can just really make the educated decision to begin. Exactly. No, could not agree more. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this one um, I think would be a fun too, but do you have a personal motto you go by? Oh, yeah. Kind of like a quote or a motto. A quote uh, or something you tell yourself when it's really, really a bad day. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay. Those are two very different. So oh. <laughs> the, quote, the quote that I love um, is luck is where preparation meets opportunity. Hmm. Um, I've always lived by that quote because certainly a lot of life's blessings come by being in the right place at the right time, but it should not be denied that when you're setting yourself up for success and you're preparing, you can get there. So I've always loved that one. Um, In my house, uh, our motto on those tough days um, is me and Brandon look at each other. We're going, we're doing great. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, if you say it enough times, oh my God, especially during pandemic parenting, we would just look at each other and be like, you know, we're doing great. And just keeping your eyes on the prize because whenever you zoom out, I just find that's what I do when I get into my high stress state is I'm just like big picture stuff, you know, is everything okay? Are the people I love safe and well? And, you know, today kicked my butt, but tomorrow will be better. So yeah, we just look at each other. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing great. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yuri tends to say something similar, you know, when he's the, he's the one, at least in our relationship who kind of, you know, just really, he's more vocal about, you know, just, it's just, you probably have heard of, or maybe you've read a book, um, the love languages, right? Everybody just expresses their love differently. So he's the vocal one in our relationship. So he's the one that tends to say things like that. He's going to be okay. You know, he just tries to comfort. And I am the one who doesn't express a lot of, um, a lot of my thoughts. And so it's always like, it's brewing inside. So <laughs> just like comforts me. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So I love how you guys both say it. Yeah, we do. And we just, and there's always a decent amount of sarcasm, right? Like the best part is it just makes you laugh because it's like, you look at your kitchen, that's a mess. And you meant to put the kids to bed a while ago and you still have work to catch up on. And you're like, we're doing great. This is great. <laughs> I know totally. All right. So to close on, um, is there something that I, if you were in, in my shoes as an, as an interviewer, would have asked me uh, that I didn't? Yeah. Great question. Um, I guess the only thing that I would have asked, so your viewers can even know a little bit more about me would be, uh, what do I value most? Mm-hmm. I, I really, uh, I try to make most of the decisions in my life by kind of keeping these things in mind. Um, so I, I worked with a, a coach kind of in my early twenties and it's so funny how your list doesn't change. She forced me to rank them one to 10 and it felt like the hardest thing in the world. You know, what do I value most? Um, and it's funny how little it's changed despite how different my life looks. So, um, I, my top three values are authenticity, um, and impact, um, and ultimately, you know, um, making a difference and and feeling like I was put here to serve um, and I was given a set of gifts and how do I, how do I really uh, put those out in the world in the best way that I can? So I think your audience would understand me a little bit more if they knew that those are the things that I look for in friendships, relationships, bosses. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. 
<laughs> we're, being, yeah. we're being authentic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's um, those are those uh, definitely a partner. You know, those are the things that I've sought out my whole uh, life. So it just gives you a little bit of insight into me. Yes, thank you for sharing that. We do ask our clients um, at times to go through a value exercise goals and values too, because there's there's a lot of things that are compete with each other, right? Not just in terms of what you want to do, but then you look on this other side and you're like, okay, well, is this really hitting on on those on those things that are important to me? So I'm I'm glad you brought it up. It's really um, we should have started with that. So ah! we, we learned we've learned for our next. Time. Someone someone once gave me the advice to from every, whenever you feel incongruent in your life, right? So from the small stuff of you're in traffic and you're annoyed and you're going, geez, this is a big reaction for something so small that you can actually learn so much about yourself by thinking, okay, is this pressing on any of the values that I value most and like efficiency is pretty high up there for me so like it's funny it just and for whatever reason I find that very calming it doesn't make the traffic go away but it's just like oh I'm not just overreacting because I'm a quote impatient person it's like no no I value this and it's being stomped on or when you know someone's portraying you in one way and you feel that you're another that would stomp on my authenticity and be like hey wait a second I'm being mis misperceived, you know? So it's a fun, I, I try to do that with myself and my own personal development, you know, to just be like, Hey, are any of my values being, you know, rejected right now? And is that why I'm seeing myself react in a bigger way than I even expected, you know? Yeah, no, totally. No, I think, I think we need, just like we need a pause to really think about, you know, all of the, all of the things that come with our money and how we really, the relationship, I actually heard this um, this explanation or ask somebody a question on one of the episodes. And um, it, it really kind of boiled down to like, what kind of relationship do we have with our money? So it's like, what kind of relationship do you have with yourself? Right. Cause yeah. that's probably the last thing most of us think about um, it, when life happens. And yeah. And honestly, it's so funny that you say that because like when I said earlier, I feel like I've gotten to a healthy place with my relationship with money. A lot of the quote bad behavior or curbing of some mistakes that are people are making so much of that. If we seek internally a little bit and say like, okay, I'm not a reckless person, but Hey, I'm trying to fill a void. I mean, it really is funny how much of our job ends up being part-time therapist, you know, because it's just like, it's, if, if you're going to skip past that and go, God, why, you know, why can't this client get it right? I've told him five months in a row to start investing. You know, that's where I said this career has helped soften me to be like, Oh, they don't need a kick in the butt. What they need is to realize what's the holdup, you know, life is telling you something you're not sincere about doing this. And the, the quicker that people work through those money scripts and whatever's holding them back, there's real freedom on the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is really, really exciting once you get to do that. So for the time we have today, how would, uh, if folks want to uh, stay in touch with you and um, get to get to read of articles and um, content you create, how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I pay most attention to my LinkedIn account. So by all means, find me Liz Gillette on LinkedIn. You'll know what's the right one because I'm the one who works for Main Street Financial <laughs> Before I got married, I had a more unique last name where I never had to do a follow-up. And now I share the last name of a major razor company. So it's not the most <laughs> unique last name. Um, and then, yeah, at MainStreetPlanning.com, um, I am trying to definitely do my fair share of adding new content. 
Um, you know, my goal, my number one goal is, is client service. Um, but in order to do that, well, I have to make sure that I'm staying ahead of the game and putting my own thoughts and insights out there. So I'd say, yeah, mainstreetplanning.com and check, check me out, see what I'm talking about, see whether you agree or disagree. I'm open to feedback. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Well, this is so, so awesome, Liz. I've very much enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for joining our podcast. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. This, this was so fun. I'm so glad we did. What an awesome thing to do on a Friday. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it again. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, Money Boss. Thanks for tuning in today. If this episode did help you, then please be sure to share it with someone else you think will benefit from it too. After all, smart financial decisions are for everyone. Uh, So don't be greedy. I hope I can help you even further by sharing with you how thousands of clients I worked with in my career over the last 16 years created their very own successful financial lives on their terms. It's hard for me to do this over an audio, and if you are ready for the next chapter in your life, then be sure to go to MainStreet-Money.com to get your free resource guide to help you begin correcting top six financial mistakes I see people make all the time, such as not having clear financial goals, not having a handle on spending or saving for the future, not knowing how to get rid of all the debts, and of course, not having a clear strategy or plan on how to protect your hard-earned money. Until next time, remember, you are the boss of your money.